0: Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing well? You guys are uh, just getting into things here. uh, I'm just really thankful for uh, being a part of this Alliance family around the world. God's moving. Uh, We have some 2,000 Alliance churches here in the States that we're connected to, but our family overseas is actually much, much larger, some 25,000 churches that represent the Alliance around the world. We have some 700 workers that out of the U.S. we send as international workers into some 70 different countries. And you, as Appleton Alliance, have a piece of this. And I want to say thank you for giving to Alliance Missions. God is moving around the world in some big ways. I love what Tim Crouch, he's the director for uh, our efforts out of the U.S. around the world, said. When he said that uh, being a part of the Alliance means you can send workers, and by sending workers, you're sending Jesus. It's all about him, making him known around the world. I love that our family, the Byram family, had a connection into all this as we served as international workers in the country of Bosnia-Herzegovina for around 13 years. I don't know if you knew our our family's background that way, so I get it because we've served, we've learned the language, we've ministered in a different culture, we miss Bosnia greatly, the beautiful people, the beautiful land. If you want to know any one of my kids and really know them well, you got to ask them about Bosnia, because it's in our blood. It's a part of who we are. But as things went, we, we came back to the States. I've been in this position here at Appleton Alliance as the Global Connection pastor for around four years now. And I, I love being able to mobilize for missions for our church. How do we connect this Appleton Alliance into what God is doing around the world? And we have a good number of families that are sent out from our church. I got a shot here of some 11 different families, and you might recognize a few faces up there. Uh, Some of these couples have lived in the mission house over here. In fact, Matt and Alba Nordlander who are living there right now are getting ready to be sent out next year, so we're going to add another picture to that slide right there. And when it comes to these families that we send, six out of this group are, are sent specifically doing alliance ministry, and you have a piece of them. And they have a piece of you as they're sending church. Uh, one side of, of serving overseas and also being a mission pastor, you might think i got a, a clincher on understanding cultures, that nothing ever throws me going to new places. Uh, it was just not, not too long ago, I was on a trip overseas with some Alliance leadership, checking out a new location in the Middle East, a city where we actually have one of our workers today, one of our families serving So we hit the ground in this city, checking things out, like cost of living and what it looks like for ministry. What would would it develop as? And in the midst of that, I'm also saying, I need a haircut. You know, I need a haircut. And we're right in the middle of town there in the walking district, little barber shops all over the place. So I told the rest of the team, if I'm not back in an hour, come searching for me, Okay? So I went out and I found this place, went inside, little shop, They don't speak a lick of English. I don't speak a lick of the local language there. You could get a a lot across, just for the the side, snip, snip up top. He got it. It was looking pretty good as things went. And then he pointed to my ears. And he was like, you know, obviously he wants to trim the hairs on my ear. Well, he reaches over and he grabs a lighter. And before I can even react, there's this huge flame and he Takes this flame, goes around my right ear, singeing every hair off my ear. I'm still in shock. He goes around the next ear, and then he points to my nose. (laughs) Well, thankfully, he put away the lighter, and he grabbed one of these little buzzers, you know, trim. He goes one nostril, the other nostril, and he puts it back. And I realize. I don't think he cleaned that thing. <laughs> Thankfully, he did the lighter side of things earlier earlier with the flame before he put all that aftershave on afterwards. So I just gave him the money. I figured, whatever it is, I'm out of here. That was my stretching kind of cultural experience not too long ago. And I'm sure if you've traveled overseas, you've had those kinds of experiences. But I loved to to take care, to reach out to love on our missionaries out of our church family. Uh, Just two weeks ago, my wife Debbie and I were in uh, a Western African country spending time with one of our teams, actually Mark and Leah Long out of our church. This is their team, but they're on home assignment back in the States this year. But we went there and we spent time doing a retreat, praying with them, meeting one-on-one or with couples, loving on their kids. Debbie had a great time just being able to, to, to spend time doing a bunch of her music stuff. But I'm telling you... I got a chance to see them in their territory, see them in their ministry location. And I, I got a little video here that shows you one of the stories out of that team of how God is ministering in that part of the world. In the local dialect, our girls are called Jomusos, which is slave girls. And so that's pretty much how they're treated. The Lord had always given me a heart for these young vulnerable girls. We actually just started a prison ministry, started doing Bible studies in the women's prison and I thought we were gonna be meeting with 40 year old women, you know, like for thievery and things like that. And here we walk in the first day and it's like a room full of teenage girls and the most of them had committed infanticide. So they'd abandoned or murdered their babies um, just out of desperation. My dream is let's just expose the girls to the gospel. Let's expose them to Jesus through our center. And if they come to faith, that's awesome. But even if they don't, we've planted that seed, and they're going to go back into their villages and into these communities. And our hope is that the word is going to spread through our girls. Snapshot, one little snapshot of how God's moving around the world. if you go online with the Alliance website, they had dozens and dozens of these one-minute clips. And we had a connection because we, we know Becky. We know her family. We know what the team is doing in ministry in that location. And it's a snapshot of what's being multiplied many, many more times around the world. Uh, when you think of how we connect, in fact, next uh, September, this September coming up, we have a group of women that are going to be in Burkina Faso doing ministry, working with women in very much... The same kind of situation as what you heard about with Becky's ministry in a neighboring country. So here we are: sending Sunday. Our, our focus is trying to understand why are we ascending church? And naturally, as I thought this through, I thought, maybe let's take a look at the story of Jonah. One of the first real missionary stories in Scripture of we're sending out is very obvious. And so when you think of Jonah. And the story of Jonah, what do you think of? What comes to mind? What comes to mind? Any... Big fish. fish. whale? Well, yes. Well, i got to tell you, it's not about the fish. Can you say that with me? It's not about the fish. And I want to give you a little picture of this because there's a lot of stuff going on in the story, relatively short story. If you've got 15 minutes or so, you can easily read through the, the whole book of Jonah. And I encourage you to check it out this week. But when it comes to who is central in the story of Jonah, I got a little chart up here. You can take a look and see how many times the fish is mentioned. Four. The city, Nineveh, mentioned nine times. Jonah, the book's named after him, only 18 times, but God is mentioned 38 times. This tells you who is central In the story of Jonah God is the absolute center of the story and this is a testament through this whole book of who he is of his character and so we're gonna pick up the story kind of midway after chapter 2 where he has been in the belly of this fish at the beginning of chapter 3 it's you can see him burped up on the beach bleached out skin three days in the belly of this fish not a pretty picture At this point, he hears the same message from God that he was asked to bring to the city of Nineveh, which he had already gone the opposite direction, trying to get away from what God was asking him to do. And here's the message that he was asked to bring to Nineveh, that in 40 days, they would be destroyed. It's pretty straightforward. Now, when you think about the Syrians and the city of Nineveh, picture Israel along the coast there on the Mediterranean, the western side, but about 500 miles inland, more like modern-day Iraq. This is where Nineveh was at that time. And when it comes to how the Israelites viewed the Syrians, it was not a pretty picture. Already uh, two of the prophets, the minor prophets, had been prophesying that Uh, Israel would be attacked, would be judged by the Assyrians. So being your proper, politically correct, uh, patriotic Israelite, Jonah would have loathed the Assyrians. That's where he stood. So in some ways he understood why in the world he was running the other direction, because he didn't want to have anything to do with these people. But at the same time, God did a miracle among them. And as he brought this very clear message, the king of this city... Called all the people to repent, to have a, a an attitude of sorrow before God, before the God that Jonah had brought before them, and they showed God that they were going to change their ways. And here we are in chapter three, verse ten, right at the end of the chapter. There, reading at a New Living Translation, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. He changed his mind did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. A miracle took place. And yet, in the midst of this story, we find out that Jonah, in many ways, is the anti-hero. You look at what Jonah did, the attitude of his heart, his actions, and you can kind of pretty much almost say, do the opposite, and you're going to be in the picture of what God wants for you. And so as we, we, we think this through, I would say God calls us to be stretched by him. Stretch me. This is so different from where Jonah was, where he did not want God to influence him in any kind of way, he wanted to go the opposite direction in spite of knowing who God really is, knowing the potential of what God could do in Nineveh, even thinking Maybe that city would be destroyed that I hate. I don't understand why in the world he didn't want to have anything to do with what God was doing in his life. So God calls us to be stretched by him. I'm hitting the pause button here. Uh, the pastor said I could borrow it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a story out of Burkina Faso uh, that is a picture of being stretched, Uh, It was just a few... uh, I'll start out with a connection to our church. Uh, We have a sister church partner in uh, the Central Church, Alliance Church in Ouagadougou. And Pastor Job asked us, we could participate in their ministry if we would help out with funding a church plant in the city of Kudugu. That's a mouthful, Kudugu. It's about uh, two and a half hours from Ouagadougou and led out by Pastor Lazar. And you can see Pastor Lazar up there with... uh, Pastor Pete and also Ron, who's part of my team, uh, we used $20,000 from the Christmas Eve offering this last year to help this church plant purchase this property. You've got a piece of that right there. And that was March on the left. You can see the trench where they were digging the foundation. Well, Pastor Lazar just sent me this picture on the right, and you can see how, how much progress they're making. That is exciting because you've got to realize... Where is this church? This church is in a university town. I got this next slide here. We can see uh, hanging out with Pastor Lazar, and he has just all college students in the property that they had been renting in this room right here where we're standing. They were fitting like 200 people in there with an overflow of like 100 out into the street. Can you get why it was so good that we're helping them out to get a, a new church property? But the thing is, in the midst of this, I'm hearing about some of the tradition... In the background of the alliance church in burkina faso we've been sending missionaries there for 70 years and pastor lazar is telling me about how in many ways they have this receiving mentality but the idea of sending of being stretched to be able to have our people go to other people groups or other languages has not been a part of who they are and that's really pastor lazar's vision you can see it up on this big huge poster that he has on the side of the room there that missionary. He really wants them to be true to the roots of who we are, the Christian Missionary Alliance. That's who we are as a movement. And I love that he's putting feet to this. He's sending out college students. I just got a report they had their first campaign. where They're training missionary young people to go out and proclaim in places where they've not been able to go, and they had their first campaign. This is exciting. This is a model to us that We got a piece of this, and we can be backing up our our sister churches. They're trying to grow, trying to do these kinds of things around the world. Let's come back to Jonah. Here we are. It's the beginning of chapter 4, the last chapter in the book. Where do we find Jonah? What's going on with Jonah? Because everything that's been happening is out-of-the-box, incredible miracle stuff that the Ninevites are turning to God. Well, literally, we find Jonah speaking what I would say is trash talk to God. Just listen to these words, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. Reading out of Jonah chapter 4, 1 through 3. This is out of the New Living Translation. This change of plans upset Jonah. Remember, Nineveh's not getting destroyed here. And he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing I predicted is going to happen. I, I, I see this happening, and I, I literally see a big, huge black cloud come over Jonah, and suddenly, pow, a lightning bolt, and all that's left is this smoldering pile of ashes, the gall that he would even talk to God like this. How can you do that? I can't even imagine this. That he would be telling God, you got to do it my way. But you see so many of us each of us actually if you really get down to it have a little bit of jonah in us we would rather have god do it our way we would rather not be on board with what his plans are and this is where we find jonah at this point you see god calls us to be molded god wants us to say mold me shape me to be like you want me to be This is the kind of thing that takes place for for me to participate with what you're you're doing around the world. Jonah had a hard heart. But the interesting side of this is when you look at that passage, he actually really is capturing God's heart. I want to read verse 2 out of what I just read to you, but I want to read it out of the message version. And I want you to listen to this because... He actually hits it on the head, exactly who God is in his missionary heart. Verse 2. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. That's God's heart. That is the gospel No wonder Jesus referred back to Jonah. It's the only only minor prophet that Jesus spoke of in the New Testament out of Matthew 12. So I ask you, why are we ascending church? It's because of this. This is God's heart. He wants mankind to come into relationship with Himself, it's the gospel. Christ's heart is to be made known for her relationship with us. God calls us to be sent. Send me, Lord. And that might be cross-culturally. You know, we, we often put the missionary up on a pedestal, but I'm telling you, when it comes to sending, it can be mean going across the street to your neighbor, interacting with your friend. And when you think of, Being stretched or molded or or, or sent, God wants a willing heart. This is in such strong contrast to Jonah. Even as we see such a picture of grace, God did not strike him with the lightning bolt. He actually went outside the city and continued to sulk, and God continued to work with him. Our God's a God of second chances, He's a God of grace. And if you don't know him as your savior, here is God's heart out of 2 Peter 3.9. This is Peter referring to uh, the imminent return of Christ, but he describes God's heart by saying, he is patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He wants relationship with us. So as I think about our sending family, the the church here and those that we send, I, I got the picture of all 11 families that we're sending out there. Can we corporately better back them up than we're doing? I know in many ways there might be somebody up there that you don't know, or maybe you don't know any of our families sent out from this church. I want to leave you with a challenge to make a connection I got a whole stack of prayer cards out on our banana-shaped two-TV kiosk right in the middle of the hub out there with brand-spanking-new prayer requests for this summer, the next three months, on how to pray for each of our families up here on the screen. And I challenge you, at the very least, grab one of those and pray for one of our people. And I give you testimony just out of my own life with my own family. When we served in Bosnia, we had to come back with a medical emergency And I'll tell you one thing that got us through that whole medical emergency was our sending churches. So many people and pastors praying for us that, in a sense, they carried us before the Lord through that whole experience, I want us as a church to be that. That's part of my job, but that we could do that corporately as a whole church to back up those that we send. And if you haven't been on a a short-term trip, I also got a sheet out there with all the upcoming short-term mission trips. It might be an opportunity for you to connect not only with our workers overseas, but with our sister churches. What does God have for you in capturing his missionary heart, his desire for you to participate? And as a part of our church family, I'm telling you, there are a a lot of opportunities. Would you stand with me? I want to close with a benediction. And this is out of Psalm 67. And I want you to listen to these words because they capture God's heart that was captured in the story of Jonah. This missionary heart that he desires relationship with the nations. Listen to this. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among peoples everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you, Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. And then the earth will yield the harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. Amen. God be with you.